Hello and welcome to the One Hope Podcast, where faith and life connect. A podcast done by One Hope Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. Enjoy! Hello, this is Sierra, and I will be your podcaster today. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about Acts 28. Before I knew that I was going to do a podcast on this chapter, I was reading from Acts, and as this last part of the story progresses, uh, you see a lot of instances where Paul speaks to people, and some of the things that he says are recorded or paraphrased in the text so that you get to hear some of his ideas, whether because of genuine disagreement or other motivations or concerns that people may have had, or a mix of both, or because of other factors, Paul ends up in conflict with people. A crowd is stirred up against him in Jerusalem when he is in the temple, and he ends up addressing them. The Roman tribune who arrests him wants to know uh, wants to know what the Jewish people are claiming against him. He ends up speaking to more than one Roman official and King Agrippa, and eventually he appeals to the emperor. As I was reading this, I kind of started to get really into the story. It was kind of like watching a sporting event. I'm not a huge sports person, but I feel like if you start watching a game and start rooting for one of the teams or competitors to win, then you get kind of emotionally invested. I feel like I was rooting for Paul because after all, speaking for those of us who consider ourselves to be Christians, Paul is on our team, even if he had way more apparent influence than we ever will. Uh, Just like people all over the Pacific Northwest like to identify themselves as the 12th man for the Seahawks, even though most of them probably do not have anywhere near their level of ability. Paul was this Christian who was testifying to people with real power in society and gained their attention and even made the Jewish leaders at the time willing to kill him or have him killed. It has been, I think, have him killed. It has been a while since this first read-through, so I do not remember the specifics of what I responded to that first time, but looking through those chapters again, the part where Paul is speaking in the presence of Herod Agrippa II, and he says, why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? At least, at least now I think that maybe this could be described by some as a zinger, at least his fellow Pharisees. What I wanted to know towards the end of that earlier time I was reading the book was what would the emperor say in response to the message that Paul brought when he got there? And maybe a part of me or all of me knew or suspected that it wouldn't get that it wouldn't get there because I feel like if this conversation with the emperor were in the Bible, I might have heard someone talk about it or maybe read this part of the Bible before, but then it gets to the end and it wraps up with he lived there two whole years um, at his own expense. Oh, it, it wraps up with he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This part just seems anticlimactic. Uh, maybe I could even make a comparison between reading the last few chapters of Acts and watching the football playoffs, and when I did not get to hear about Paul appearing before the emperor, it might have been, uh, or did not get to hear about Paul appearing before the emperor, it might have uh, been kind of like if the Super Bowl was never televised. The thought definitely at least crossed my mind that maybe the reason for the submission 
or at least for my disappointment with it, was that there was something more important in the narrative that I was not placing enough importance on, something along the lines of the ministry that Paul was doing for the general population in Rome was somehow more important or in at least some literary way more significant. Um, Or I don't know, maybe that's not it. Something in that ballpark that it was somehow more important was like the narrative was trying to you know in place more importance on his ministry to the general population of Rome than uh, that conversation with the emperor I'm not really sure what but something in there around that general idea concept however when I asked Pastor Peter why Acts does not mention Paul's death he said that it may or probably was because he had not died uh, by the time that Acts was written, which would make sense. Um, according to a little blurb from Encyclopedia Britannica on the internet, the specifics about Paul's death are not known, but tradition says that Paul was beheaded for his faith in Rome. The same source also suggested that it was possible that he was among the Christians that Emperor Nero commanded to be executed after a fire in 64 CE. It seems to me that like an execution might have followed, um, you know, pretty close on the heels of any kind of hearing that Paul may have had or that he never got one and just got executed. It seems seems possible too. like he could have just gotten executed without, you know, really being listened to. This may not have happened before Acts was was written, um, like Peter said. That being said, God ultimately has authority on what did and didn't. God ultimately has authority on what did and did not make it into the scriptures, and maybe there are insights that He intends for us to glean uh, from whether or not certain things are included. But I would not want to, you know, get carried away and read too much into that omission. However, even if that message does not come directly from the scripture itself, I still think that my story of reading this chapter can be kind of a cautionary tale for Christian, for Christians in general, maybe, I, or at least for myself. I think that I was deriving pleasure from Paul being able to have other people take him and or Christian beliefs seriously. I think that as Christians, our beliefs are important to us and it's easy to become fixated on being right. Although it is easy, you know, for a lot of people in general to become fixated on being right or smarter or cleverer, more knowledgeable, more sophisticated, more insightful, etc. Maybe there's other versions of that than others. I do not think that it's a uniquely Christian problem, but I think that we can see some or all of these manifest in the church. Fixation on being right can take a lot of different forms. For some of us, it might look like winning the culture wars or having society at large acknowledge the truth of what we consider to be the Christian view on some issue or another. For other people, this might be getting respect from our friends and family as intellectuals. Maybe are we t- maybe we are tired of uh, the people in our lives making fun of or casually dismissing our viewpoints on things. Maybe some of us turn our focus to other people within the church, becoming fixated on the importance of insisting that other churches, you know, lower, you know, churches within the church do not uphold what we feel, I mean, churches within God's global Christian church, do not uphold what we feel to be the right doctrine or the right way of doing church. But I think that all of these things can distract us from what really matters, which is God, people coming to know God and his love for them, Jesus and the salvation that we can have through him. 
some would say the glory of God, stuff like that. Maybe everyone would say that. I don't know. And maybe everyone would say the glory of God. Maybe. And what and what is the salvation that we can have through him? There's a part of this chapter where Paul is talking to some of the Jewish people in Rome, and he says, Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. So what was before that? Like, what is the salvation of God that he's talking about? Well, in the passage before that, he is referencing Isaiah. Um, Maybe he's quoting, maybe not. I looked at the ESV translations of Isaiah 6 and Acts 28, and they seem a little different, but the books were written in different original languages, and I do not remember it saying what language Paul was speaking here. Um, In any case, I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, He says... For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their eyes they can barely hear, and their ears and sorry, with their with their ears they can barely hear. Oh gosh, I'm gonna start the quote again. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. Uh, when I first read this part, or probably not the first time I read it, but what sticks out to me now. <laughs> is that is that the word he uses there is heal not rescue or deliver or cover with my righteousness or sanctify or forgive but heal it seems like for paul or at least for paul as understood by luke and possibly luke's sources for this book like healing and salvation are related one note that i would make is that the reason that luke would pick up on this and or write it in this book like maybe one reason or at least contributing factor is because he's a doctor wikipedia told me that colossians said so but i didn't look it up in the bible i just i'm just gonna i'm gonna trust wikipedia (laughs) because i've heard people say it so much before but move not that you should trust wikipedia for how to live your life that's that was not spiritual advice anyway moving on uh (laughs) doctors at least you know some types of doctors they save people by healing them Um, And what does healing mean? I suppose that you could think, well, yeah, and yeah, I think because, you know, doctors, they save people by healing them, it makes sense for for Paul to think of, or for, sorry, for Luke to think of healing and salvation in that way. And what does healing mean? I suppose that you could think of healing as like restoration of function. Um, In at least some cases, if you have an injury or a disease, then essentially it seems like there is at least one part of your body that's not working properly or is not working in a way that benefits you. Not sure how this really translates to infectious diseases, but, you know, moving on. We're just not a medical professional. Um, So, yeah, and that kind of, like, loss of function will lead to whatever symptoms you're experiencing, like physical pain or inappropriate emotional states or fatigue or inability to do certain things, um, etc. I don't know. Once again, not a medical professional, so maybe I'm just basing that on a combination of, basing this kind of assessment on a combination of general ignorance and the first few thoughts I have or trying to fit too much into this, trying to fit too much or the wrong things into this passage. Maybe not too much. Or having read and listened to John Walton a little too much or something, you know, too much. But uh, moving on, interestingly, uh, in this part, Isaiah does talk about body parts that do not seem to be working. He mentions uh, the eyes, the ears, and the heart, although maybe those aren't necessarily, I mean, they need to work properly, but maybe 
those are things that inhibit healing, not that necessarily all the parts that need to be healed or the only parts that need to be healed or the parts that he's talking about that need to be healed. Or maybe they're maybe they don't need to be healed. I mean, obviously, I think we know that our hearts need to be healed. And it seems like what is not working um, is perception. They they don't get it. I did I did not go all the way back, um, or I, I guess I did end up going all the way back to this passage. Um, it seems like the people in Isaiah's time, I didn't really go look at the context though. It seems like the so I, I didn't really look at the context of this, but it seems like the people of Isaiah's time were not perceiving some truths about God. And in Acts, Paul's audience is not getting uh, what he's trying to share with them about the salvation and healing that comes from God. The salvation or healing, healing salvation that comes from God. I think it is easy for us to think of salvation as our eternal destination, like going to heaven or hell. And as Peter said last week, Jesus talks about that and seems to think that it is important. And I'm not saying that it's not important, but I think that we don't, we do not want to get to the point where that is all we think about. God wants to heal us. Maybe we can think of this as he wants us to function the way that he made us to, to work right, which means being in right relationship with him. Just like the body needs food and water to function, we need God. Uh, Like Carrie Price mentioned at Good Friday service, Jesus can give us living water. If we place our faith in God, if we seek Jesus for what we need, if we try to submit to the parameters that he set in place for our healthy operation, I think that God will help us to function the way we are made to. Maybe in this life we won't get 100% of the way there, but God has extended his, his offer of healing. This text also seems to have a prescription for how we are healed by God. It says that we need to perceive him. Um, the passage where Paul is quoting from talks about lack of function of the eye and the ear, the things are in the passage, or sorry, the passage where Paul is quoting from talks about a lack of function of the eye, of the ear, of things that we use to sense the world around us. At one point, it even says that Isaiah's audience has closed their eyes, which might imply that at least one part of the problem was their choice. Maybe what we... And that's in the version in, in Acts that says that they close their eyes. Maybe um, what we need to do is to make sure that our eyes are open to what God wants us to see. Um, it seems to indicate that preconditions um, to the people it talks about receiving this healing is that they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. This means that if God's intent for us is the same as his intent for these people, which is an if, even though I kind of asserted it above, I guess it is It is an if. When I say above, I mean before, because this is in time and not, it's a recording. <laughs> which, which is an if, then we then what we should do first to receive God's healing is to make sure that we are open to hearing what God has to say. Um, some ways that we can do that are reading our Bible and listening uh, to the teaching of our pastor or the advice of other Christians who we trust. Not that we should equate the word, like, not that we should equate the fallible, you know, the words of ha- fallible human beings with the word of God. We shouldn't equate those two things. Like, the word of God is always, you know, 
to be given more weight. We can also, because it's, I mean, it's perfect. It's not, it's infallible. Can't be wrong. Uh, we can also pray and ask God to make his will known to us and try to be open to his response. Maybe trying to take time in our prayers just to listen to what um, God has to say can help us with this, which is not to say that I regularly do any of these things, but, you know, I should maybe try a little more or harder. Uh, what it exactly means to turn um, for that, for that part, maybe we can just go, uh, just go back to what Peter said in his sermon about the criminal on the cross who asked Jesus to remember him when he came into his kingdom and how Peter said that all, uh, that the guy had to do to be saved was to acknowledge, um, to acknowledge, acknowledge his guilt, to repent. Um, he indicated that you know, he indicated that he deserved punishment. And the second thing was to put his faith in Jesus. Maybe that is the same thing um, that is meant in the passage by turn. Um, someone is going to have to tell me if it's not. And <laughs> if that is the case, Paul is saying that he is going to take that salvation to the Gentiles, which is another reason I think we can, you know, we can say that that's that healing is for us too because it seems like he's relating slash maybe even equating you know indicating the involvement of those two things and then he's saying that he's going to take that to the gentiles which sounds like us um is us potentially even though we're later like us people in that same group vein so it seems like um at least if these conditions are met He's promising to heal us, and whatever the healing of God looks like, I'm pretty sure we should want to experience it. And I kind of went over the time, so I'm going to pray pray us out now. Dear God, um, thank you so much um, for your word and for us getting this opportunity to experience it. I pray that um, as, you know, Easter approaches and we're, you know, gathering to celebrate your ultimate victory over sin and death that we don't make it or that we don't get distracted by wanting to glorify ourselves by wanting to be right um but we instead just focus on you and i pray that you would just show us what you have for us um in this season and throughout our lives just that you would help us show us um the blessings that you have in store for us amen